0: I'm so nervous. If I'm not funny, I won't be able to live with myself. Well, then you'll have to get another apartment, won't you? You know, I hear this movie is dynamite. <laughs> get hey, your fresh organic that. popcorn. Only a buck. Oh, honey, buy me some, please. Oh, sure.
1: Mama, nothing's too good for my woman. Woman! Woman! Woman!
0: I like the movie fine so far. It hasn't started yet. That's what I like about it. Okay, let's go. Let's go.
1: Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait. You haven't seen? It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 173, and my guest this week to watch The Muppet Movie, because she'd never seen it before, is Emily Edwards. Emily, how are you?
0: I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me.
1: So, okay, I got to start with this. You are a fan of The Muppets, yes?
0: I love The Muppets. Okay. I really do.
1: So, how is it you hadn't seen this
0: movie? I don't... No. Um, The best I can come up with is that, like, I grew up in the era of Blockbuster. And it's, you know, it's like that was the only way you were going to get to see movies that they weren't going to show on TV. And like, we had cable when I was a kid, but not like all the channels. And so I, you know, had like Nickelodeon, which is where they played the Muppet show when I was a kid. And I had seen possibly every episode of the Muppet show (laughs) and they had Muppet babies, which was like a cartoon when I was a little, little. Mm -hmm. And then I think the Muppets were bought by Disney by the time I was like a little bit older, but like, this was before on demand. This was before you could like get stuff from Netflix. And so like, I just, It's just a big gaping black hole in my Muppet resume. Like, I don't know how I haven't seen this before.
1: Now, you've seen other Muppet movies, though.
0: Yes. I have possibly seen The Muppet Christmas Carol more than any other movie (laughs) ever made. Like, I've watched it at least three times a year since it came out in 1992.
1: That is a lot of times. I was going to bring that up because that is one of my favorite Christmas movies, hands down. The first year of this show... Uh, all the Christmas movies for December that I watched were variations of A Christmas Carol.
0: Oh, that's good. And
1: so one of them had to be Muppet Christmas Carol because I loved it and I found someone who hadn't seen it and and we enjoyed the hell out of that. Um, I'm like you. I, I grew up with Muppets, uh, Muppet Show, but but Muppet Babies a lot too because it was mm-hmm. a Saturday morning cartoon. Exactly. Um, Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island, uh, Muppets.
0: Muppets. Yeah,
1: Muppets sure from on. Space. Um yep. all of those. The Muppet movie was one I didn't see until I got a little bit older because it had yeah. come out in 79 and um kind of like I am around the same age as you so it was the same thing mm-hmm. blockbuster or our local one was called Horizon Video when I was a kid. Ooh. And um yeah, so 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 you hadn't seen this one yet. Um Mm-mm. but but knowing the Muppets and kind of knowing everything, were you familiar with sort of how the the framing device of what this movie was?
0: I Not really. Um, Like, I have seen, obviously, like, clips from it before where, you know, like, I like puppetry a lot. This is sounding so weird, but, hey, I really like puppets. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I remember seeing, like, oh, my gosh, they have Kermit riding a bicycle. Like, how hard is that for a marionette? And it turns out incredibly hard. And obviously, I'd heard, like, Rainbow Connection before, but I didn't know, like, the entire, like, conceit behind the entire movie like or that like they're showing it in a screening and then they're like i had no idea any of that like i didn't know half of the cameos like nothing nothing
1: and boy is it ever like the most muppet thing to do to have the movie the first movie starring the muppets be framed around we're watching the movie starring the muppets with the muppets um it's so perfect. Like, that's such a, a Henson Frank Oz uh, thing to do, and get, it gets very meta. I love the, the meta jokes we'll get into um, that they did, oh, as yeah. well as the technical aspects of of what went on screen.
0: It's an amazing movie. Like, craft speaking. Like, it's an amazing, amazing movie.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It 1979 is when this came out. This was in the middle of... Uh, I think they did it in between parts of season three of The Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. So this was at like the height of The Muppet's powers. I think The Muppet Show at the time was like the highest rated television show um, out there.
0: Which like is mind-boggling to me. That's It's like Game of Thrones level like global fame. Mm-hmm. And it's puppets and... And, and, and like the show, when you watch it now, you're like, this isn't, it's weird. It's weird as all get out because they have like, especially in the Muppet show, like they would have like, here's this uh, like a modern dancer and you're just like, why? This is so bizarre and she's <laughs> dancing with flamingos. Like, why is this happening? This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And so indicative of the fact that everyone who made this was on drugs. Like... <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we we talked about uh, on another show that I do, uh, the Muppet Show, recently, and one of the things that got brought up during that was you were no, you weren't anyone until you cameoed and guested on the Muppet Show or with the Muppets. It's like hosting in some way. SNL, yeah, yeah. And boy, this movie went for it with the cameos too. And I guess they had to change some of them because a lot of the cameos, like scheduling conflicts, caused where all that right, we'll switch sense. that up, and, yeah, and, and and it worked. But that's become like that's been a staple of the Muppets. Since the Muppet show is the cameos and the guest stars and all the people that they bring in and they're amazing and they're they're never who you think they're gonna be either
0: never absolutely you okay I have a massive crush on uh, uh James um the guy who plays El Saliso. oh James God, Coburn. James Coburn, why do I... Every single time I mention him, I forget his name. And of course, I'm going like, I have a massive crush on this guy whose name I can never remember. Right. James Coburn, he's James Coburn at the height of James Coburn. Mm-hmm. And he's like just there. He has one line. Madeline Kahn is slinking through the bar. <laughs> and for, like Carol Kane is there as a running gag.
1: Yep. It's uh, like Dom DeLuise popping up in the, in the swamp in the beginning of it and just... <laughs> A completely like it makes no sense part, but the cameo is great. And um, he's Bernie
0: the agent. Like yes, that, that's him. That's the character, Bernie the agent. Like he's the only agent in Hollywood. The only agent. One. Yep.
1: Uh, only Elliot funny. Gould was a was a fun one because I remember he was in. I think he's in the Great Muppet Caper as well. Yes, he is. Um, mm-hmm. but I had forgotten that he was in this one, and then I'm like, oh yeah, shit, it's Elliot Gould. All right. Um, yeah. You know, just so many of them. Bob Hope. And Bob Hope and Fozzie Bear sharing a scene is just like, that's a cherry on top of the amazing Sunday.
0: It's just beautiful. And the fact that like literally all of these people are there for five lines tops, like this is an hour commitment for these people to be Mm -hmm. doing this. And you know that they were just sort of like, sure, I've got Thursday morning off. Let me just come by and be in the Muppet movie.
1: Yeah. I mean, Steve Martin, brilliant mm-hmm. and he's his, his his role as that waiter is great um
0: with the later hose in shorts
1: <laughs> <Yes>.
0: <laughs> and the three amigos jacket that doesn't yes.
1: match oh i i loved that um cloris leachman and then like you have james coburn dom de cloris leachman richard pryor selling balloons mm-hmm. at a carnival yep. and then orson wells at the end of the movie with one line of dialogue and like which I mean, is one
0: of the greatest lines of dialogue I have ever heard oh, in so my good. life. Like, my husband wasn't in the room, like, when the line was spoken. And I started cackling and screaming, like, so loud because it was so funny. And he's like, <laughs> what could it have been? Like, what is this line of dialogue that has you just rolling on the floor laughing? And I'm like, it was perfect. It was just absolutely perfect.
1: And, I mean, it's Orson Welles who I'd listened to read a phone book. So, yes, of like, course. it's perfect. Um and then Charles Durning as Doc Hopper uh was oh, wonderful. Again, there's someone else that I just love to see and stuff. Um this is like, so much fun.
0: It's so close to his character in Oh Brother, where art thou, too. It where really it's just like, oh, it wasn't even a stretch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, and then uh and Austin Pendleton I'd forgotten was in this as Max. Yeah. Um
0: yeah. who
1: I immediately when I see him, I think short circuit. Because he's
0: where he's from. <laughs>
1: which is a movie that is near and dear to my heart as well and and so like i see him and i'm just like oh yeah it's he was in he was in short circuit and that's that's it that's where it stops for me
0: they played that movie every single saturday of my life (laughs) Uh, like it was like wpix channel 11 saturday movies and it was short circuit with johnny five every single saturday it must have been so cheap
1: it probably was. Uh, some people think that the sequel is better. I disagree. I think the first movie is the superior movie, but uh, I, I will say the sequel is better than I remember it. Um, okay. Last one is Edgar Bergen, uh, who was himself uh, with yeah. Charlie McCarthy. And this was, he he passed away shortly after filming his scene, so they did yeah. dedicate the movie to him. But that was a nice moment, because if you are a fan of Henson at all, you know that Henson looked up to Edgar Bergen a lot. So Yeah. That was that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Even though ventriloquist dummies are always jarring when you see them in any context, oh, sure. there's no like way you're just watching it and don't just go, ah, oh, wait, no, this is sweet. <laughs> like, but it's okay. It's yeah, okay. it's it's
1: not a horror movie starring a killer dummy. It's just the dummy. It's um, just the
0: dummy.
1: But, it, it, oh, Mel Brooks, too, I forgot to mention. And Milton Berle. yeah. Um yeah
0: oh man I I always forget that like Milton Burl was not a good person like he was wildly <laughs> famous but he was supposedly one of the meanest people in Hollywood like of all time
1: I mean probably uh you you don't you don't work in Hollywood as long as he did without becoming That's somewhat true. callous anyway That's um, true But yeah him and Mel Brooks and and it's just they're they're cameos for the sake of cameos but yet none mm-hmm. of them feel like they're out of place either yeah it's Every it's weird one with, does
0: actually move the plot forward
1: yeah and i think that's a testament to like that's the muppets especially in this era
0: mm-hmm. between
1: the muppet show on through uh a lot of the the movies moving into like the early 90s was like the cameos were you were expecting them but they did always have something to do with moving things forward whether it's just give an ice cream to somebody or convincing Gonzo to buy all the balloons. Like, yeah, doesn't matter. It's, there's a purpose to it. And I like that because I love cameos just for the sake of cameos. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Like fan service yeah. type. Um, yeah. but I like how they, they give a, a pretty good reason for all of them to be around there.
0: Yeah, like I remember like Muppets Most Wanted, which is like one of the more recent like theatrically released Muppet movies. Like they just kind of had cameos for the sake of cameos, which is fine. Again, mm. you're always just kind of like, yeah, of course, you're going to show up for the Muppets. Like, why wouldn't you if you have any comedic bone in your body, you're going to show up for the Muppets. But you know, I always do like it when they do have someone there for a purpose. Like, of course, Richard Pryor is the one interacting with Gonzo. Of course, right. Bob Hope is the one interacting with Fozzie Bear. Like it Makes perfect total
1: sense. Yes, yeah, and that's that's what makes it work is that they pair them correctly. Like Steve Martin, especially in the late seventies, early eighties, is perfect as this insolent uh, waiter who's just like sarcastic because that's who he was as a comedian. So, Mm -hmm. like you know, you're gonna you just nail that perfectly. I just I, I enjoyed every single cameo, and all of them just made me just chuckle and kind of do the DiCaprio meme of pointing at the screen. and Mm -hmm. and all of that. I just, I loved it, uh, every bit of it. Um, And then you get to the puppets themselves, the Muppets, and everyone's here, and it's such a great way to do it. So they they do this framing thing where they're watching their own first movie. Mm -hmm. And the movie, the plot of the movie is how the Muppets all met each other.
0: Yeah. And how,
1: how everything came together, which is a super fun thing to do, because as if you're fans of the Muppets, you know that they're just all like, they've just been together. And yeah, so to, exactly. to get this kind of origin story of the crew of the Muppets and how they met is really fun because they, they didn't make it too like, there wasn't this heavy handedness to it at all. It was just like Kermit decides to leave trip. the swamp. Okay. Yeah. Kermit decides to leave the swamp road trip and hilarity ensues. It's a um, lovely it's so much fun. Like he just ran. He ends up in this seedy part of town at the El Slezo Cafe, <laughs> which is a great name for a cafe. And I, I kind of want to start one. I want to open something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But he just he meets Fozzie Bear there. Why? Because Fozzie's filling in for the dancing girls.
0: The dancing and girls are on vacation.
1: <laughs> that makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's this really rough bar, and there's like <laughs> bar fights, and it's filthy, and like every single—if you look around in the background, like all the humans are dressed up as like a French lay or like a, a Venetian gondolier, and like yep. a French chef. They're all—it's like the bus in Speed, where it's just like yeah. someone of every color and flavor in the background.
1: Yes. Oh, it was so good. And then, oh, and I forgot Telly Savalas uh, as well. Yes. <laughs> was uh was with Madeline Kahn and that was a great moment are you hitting on my girl yes he was <laughs> and Kermit's just like I don't even know what's going on here like he's so confused yeah. um but yeah you get you get you know that's how Kermit and Fozzie meet and they take off in Fozzie's uncle Studebaker mm-hmm. and begin Which their is road the
0: perfect trip. car it's the perfect car
1: it is it is and you know, they're being followed by uh, Doc Hopper, who just wants Kermit as the spokesman for his restaurant, his Frog Legs restaurant.
0: Spokesman. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Which is a really funny moment because Max had seen uh, Kermit earlier and then must have followed him or something mm-hmm. to see him dancing at the uh, the bar and call like immediately is able to call Doc Hopper over in the middle of the night yeah. whenever whenever that is Exactly. Like it's just it's so ridiculous and it's so perfect and and they immediately, you know, of course, Kermit wants nothing to do with it because it's horrifying yeah. and and honestly, it is horrifying. Like It is. Why would you want an actual frog to be the spokesman for your restaurant serving frog legs?
0: One of the lines is literally like, I'm envisioning all these little frogs on crutches. And it's like, no, Kermy, that's not what they do with the frogs. <laughs>
1: no, but but what I love is like, there's that moment when that line happens and Max has the realization like, oh no. Oh, what is, what is, what am I part of? Yeah. Um, it, which is great because that sets up what he does later on.
0: The whole thing.
1: Yeah. And, and so it's just, it's so much fun and you get to see. You get to see them run into Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's super fun. Like, I love that scene. I love that line where where they open up the door to the church. And Fossey's like, oh, they don't look like Presbyterians.
0: <laughs> they don't look like Presbyterians.
1: <laughs> and you get to you get to meet the, that band and, you know, the, the mm-hmm. wonderful musical numbers. Then they repaint the Studebaker, which mm-hmm. I think.
0: Psychedelic colors. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I think that Studebaker might be at the Studebaker Museum now.
0: I believe it is.
1: I know I read somewhere where one of the Studebakers from the movie was.
0: I hope it's the one that's all different colors with like the bubbles and the stars and yes. everything. I hope that's the one.
1: Like, you know, Janice had a hand in most of that.
0: Oh, Because that that's total Janice.
1: Um, <laughs> but yeah, you see them meet them. and then And I love, too, how like there's so much that is technically fantastic with the puppet work and then there's other Mm -hmm. moments where they just like cut away from something that's going to happen like the collision with gonzo's uh plumbing truck (laughs) is so good because it's just the two truck the two vehicles coming towards each other and then all of a sudden it's a cut and there's gonzo on top of it and he's like you call that a near miss and you get out (laughs) to the wide shot and his truck is just upside down on top of the Studebaker.
0: See, my one of my favorite things about this movie is that it does something that I request of more movies, which is you don't have to explain how things happen. They just do. Mm-hmm. And so you don't need the history. You don't need the lore. You don't need the mechanics. You don't need the science. Just things just happen because they do. And that is the perfect scene to explain Muppet logic, where it's like. You need the sight gag of the plumbing truck being upside down on the Studebaker, but you don't actually have to show it happen because it would be very difficult.
1: <laughs> it would be very difficult and it wouldn't be a Muppet joke at that point.
0: Exactly.
1: It would lose the the ridiculous nature of that moment because that's what makes it a Muppet moment is
0: mm-hmm.
1: they're upside down. Okay, sure. Why not?
0: Yeah, it's like it's like almost in the, the church scene with the electric mayhem where they're like, Oh, we've already been through like fifteen or twenty minutes of this movie. We don't want to recap for you. So read the script and they hand the script to Dr. Teeth and while Kermit and Fozzie take a nap. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and Which... then it's like the Wayne's world, do do da-do-do-do. And then they get to the scene where they're like meeting Dr. Teeth and it's like Perfect, that is exactly what you need to have happen in a muppet movie
1: and and again, like the Muppets not only should they have the ridiculous jokes like we talked about, but also fourth wall breaks and the meta humor that yeah. is like you're it's not the Muppets without that exactly so, and they they nailed that right away like early on when the second Hari Krishna joke is made <laughs> because the first time around that's a funny joke when when Kermit's in the swamp and uh Bernie um Bernie the agent comes up and it's like I'm lost have you tried Hare Krishna
0: Yeah which is such a 1979 joke oh, like it's it, it's such a joke of the time and it like it's stuck around but like I wonder if people born after a certain time like kids born in the 2000s do you get Hare Krishna jokes or I mean probably no?
1: not um but like it's that's that's a great joke and then 10 minutes later to already call back that joke yeah is perfect because it, that now it's kermit saying you know Fozzie looks lost and the guy behind him is just like oh, you should try Hari krishna and to have kermit's reaction be like oh great a running gag
0: <sighs> yeah exactly and then five minutes after that the preacher on the on the <laughs> the, the church that they go and they find the electric mayhem is like reverend harry krishna and it's just and that's it 15 minutes, 20 minutes into the movie, the running gag is spent and they never do it again. And it's so good. It They're is. like, "Oh, we're not going to torture you for 2 hours with Harry Krishna jokes. That would be too much."
1: And and talk about the perfect third act to that joke is to have it written in the background and it's Reverend Harry Krishna. I, lo- yeah. I like I backed it up to watch that again this time around because I'd forgotten I knew you know, it's been a long time since I'd seen this movie. So some of the jokes just mm-hmm. were like fresh for me. And that fresh. was one I was like, Nope, backing that up. I gotta, I gotta make sure I read on that right.
0: Christian church.
1: <laughs> so good. Um, it's perfect. you know, meeting Gonzo and having Gonzo be like hopping mad in the back of the Studebaker. That's another great moment. Oh, he's got a yeah. sense of humor, you know? Uh, and, and just having them like, for no reason is given. They're just, they stop at this carnival in this small mm-hmm. town on the side of and, because why not? Yeah. We they're need a on reason. A
0: clock, and yeah. they're just like we're going to stop. Yep. <laughs> in what is obviously Griffith Park in Los Angeles and we're going to pretend like it isn't.
1: <laughs> yep. And uh and so to have them there and like cuz we got to have them meet Miss Piggy. And uh-uh. Miss Piggy's in a beauty contest that she wins because and it's Miss Piggy.
0: Because it. it's Miss Piggy.
1: Um And so I love all of that and you get you get great interactions from everybody and just and then like coming back around Dr. Teeth kind of showing back up and all the stuff and they are they're on that clock. But it's interesting because they're on the clock, but it's never it never has this sense of tension.
0: Yeah. Throughout the whole movie yeah it's not like help me mcgrouper there are only 30 seconds left like there's no sense of actual urgency even though they have like like next week is what it says in the variety that they hold up where they're holding frog auditions and like that could be three days from now or seven days from now and they have to drive presumably across the country and you know it's not just like a skip hopping from nevada to like you know southern california the the assumption the projection is that it's well across the country and they're just taking their jolly old sweet time
1: yeah i mean even in their first song that fozzy makes some mention of we just left rhode island so who knows where they started they made it up to rhode island in the wrong direction uh they were in canada at one point just because
0: just all over
1: but i love that and then there is the the small moment where they're they're stopped for the night and they're sitting around the campfire when um Kind of Kermit has his little existential crisis of like I didn't promise mm-hmm. anyone anything, and then he's talking to himself, which is a very weird moment because they don't yeah. they don't yeah. frame it at all. It's just like he's suddenly he's talking to himself, but then all of a sudden he's just there, and it's yeah, just and two Kermit's. He's a
0: duplicate, yeah. <laughs>
1: For whatever reason, like, does anyone else see this other Kermit? We don't know. Exactly. Um, We
0: understood you were talking to yourself when you were just (laughs) gazing at the stars and having a little Kermit soliloquy. You didn't have to actually speak to yourself as well.
1: (laughs) But it did make for a fun visual. Um, Yeah. And yeah, I love how then it just sort of like they get to the end and they're making their movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's like old school Hollywood and you get to see everybody show up again. And And then that last
0: soundstage. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: That was that was a gigantic soundstage. Yeah. Um, And then that final shot of like every Muppet in existence in that one place was. I actually
0: uh... teared up because you could see the fraggles. You could see another one of my absolute favorite shows mm-hmm. and of all time, you could see all the Sesame street Muppets. You could see just like all the weird little Muppets that they had one offs of on the show and stuff like that. It was just, apparently they really did collect like every puppet they ever made and like put it in the scene. And they called on like all the puppet, like the puppeteers from like West of the Rockies. <laughs> yeah. because, like we can't just have like Frank Oz doing like six different puppets. Right. That's not how puppetry works. <laughs>
1: So they just had like, uh, I think it was 200 and something puppets or 200 oh might've been 200 puppeteers and like 170 puppets or something.
0: Yeah. For that last some shot. of them take two people and things like that.
1: And it's just amazing. And then, you know, we wrap it up back in the the screening room with, uh, mm-hmm. with the Muppets and, and we call it a day and like, that's, that's the movie. But that just saying that is a disservice to what went into making this, like, puppeteering yeah because puppeteering itself is already just an amazing art form Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and jim henson purposely wanted to to like up the ante with this movie he got a bigger budget than the show Mm -hmm. had and so he wanted to do some technical stuff so there is what people have to understand especially uh, as as you get to the younger and younger generations who have spent a lot more time with more modern puppets and more modern Muppet series yeah. and 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 movies. This was a time where they had blue screen um, to use to to composite stuff, which they did for the dancing of Fozzie and um, Kermit. Mm-hmm. But that's it. They can composite yeah. two optical shots together, but there is no there there is no computer graphics at all, and there's no there's no way to just like draw stuff out like you can do today where you can draw out your wires. You have to in camera set all that stuff up and that's a lot more difficult and takes more time
0: to on do. film that yes. runs out that you have to pay for.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you got to test it over and over to make sure it's going to work so that you can do as few takes as possible.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: and what do they do? They open up with a long tracking shot Into a giant swamp set Mm -hmm. that they used with a single Muppet sitting Mm -hmm. on a log where you can see all around him. Yeah. Like, okay, let's just flex right away, Jim. Go for it. Yeah, exactly. Come on.
0: And it was Jim Henson
1: in like a 50-gallon drum underneath that like a full day
0: submerged (laughs) could you imagine the claustrophobia like could you you cannot be a puppeteer and have claustrophobia or like a muppeteer and have claustrophobia like it sounds like the sweatiest smelliest job like that doesn't involve like plumbing in any way because you were literally cramped in tiny enclosed spaces for hours on end Mm -hmm. with your hands above your head which is very uncomfortable and like just and, I, you know, did they live record the voices or did they do ADR? Do you know by any chance?
1: I'm going to guess that they probably live recorded uh, on set and then would clean up with ADR uh, a that good makes sense. bit of it. Because yeah. I know um, one of the, the cool trivia bits I got was the cinematographer um, who has a great name, Isidore Mankowski.
0: That is a great name.
1: Uh, said he enjoyed working on this movie because no one complained about the lights in their eyes or how long they had to stand in there you just (laughs) stuck them on a pole and the puppeteers were really nice guys when I asked Henson to move Kermit to the right for a little bit better frame Henson wouldn't answer Kermit did
0: that's amazing
1: and and I I feel so I feel like they definitely did a lot of uh, recording on set for them and Really, if you think about it, that would make sense given the history of Sesame Street and Muppet Show.
0: Yeah, for some reason, like it it skipped my mind that I've seen like blooper reels from from Muppets. So obviously when the guy misspeaks, like they make, you know, they, you know, have footage of it. So it's like, you know, it's not just done in ADR where you never have a a take of vocals that don't match the puppet movement. Like they they do it a lot. And I don't know why that hadn't blipped into my mind.
1: Well, a, a lot a lot more dialogue in movies is done via ADR than people realize. Uh, yeah, no lie. Um, yeah. Like, I can't remember the percentage I read uh, or heard, but I know from having a friend of mine that's a sound mixer and recordist, he's told me mm-hmm. before, too, like, yeah, more dialogue is re-recorded than you think. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, having yeah. done that, I know how difficult that is, so I, I am just blown away by how smoothly it can be done.
0: Yeah, it's so true. Like people have full recording studio setups like in their house in order to do that so they don't have to go into a studio. And like, how else are you gonna deliver quippy one-liners while like punching someone in the face and doing something incredibly athletic? Like you, no matter how fit and crims, Chris Hemsworth you are, you're gonna be panting during yep. those scenes and you can't like sound cool, calm and collected while like wearing 30 pounds of costume and chucking no. fists.
1: No, so so imagine when you're, when you're Jim Henson stuffed into a barrel and Henson was not a small guy either no, he was tall he, he
0: was a wiry dude i
1: mean he was wiry but he was very <laughs> yeah. tall so he's cramming himself into this barrel to be underneath all that water so they can do the the thing there and i guess there were i think two different kermit puppets that were used for that scene depending on the shot because there was one that was more motorized just to, to kind of have a more just rhythmic drum. strumming yeah um but like that whole opening scene is just mind-boggling if, if all you and And more so when you think about it in the context of sitting there in 1979 and watching this because you Mm -hmm. haven't seen anything like that. No. And then, what is it, five minutes later when he's on the bike?
0: Yeah. He's riding a bicycle. He's a puppet on a bicycle.
1: Like That's another one where I I feel like that doesn't get enough credit for how mind-blowing that is because they had to have a marionette-style thing crane above frame that they yeah. were controlling his arms and legs with on this bike and to keep it upright. But again, you got to do that in a way where you can't see the wires on the camera.
0: Yeah. yeah. like, it's, you know, when you think about big technical, huge jumps in like movie technology and stuff, it's like James Cameron gets a lot of credit, you know, and understandably. So like mm-hmm. you have like the melting stuff and the Terminator and things like that, but like making a puppet, convincingly ride a bicycle before you have any sort of computer technology whatsoever. It's just really like, it it warms my heart to think of how much money and time they spent for something that really only lasts a minute, 90 seconds in the movie. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and they had a lot of shots of full-bodied puppets too, which Mm -hmm. typically, I think, up until this movie you probably never saw a puppet from below the waist um, unless the shot was only puppet legs.
0: Exactly, yeah. So
1: to have these full-bodied ones was, again, just something that you didn't see. Um, and, yeah, the puppeteering that goes on, is all the driving stuff is... Yeah. Because there are there are definitely shots you can tell where, like, the Studebaker is driving and they've got a stunt driver in there, or, you know, a driver... Yeah, exactly. Because it's a wide shot. You know, yes, yeah, from it's far who's in enough a Fozzie
0: away. Bear costume, it happens. Yeah. yeah,
1: you just you just have somebody driving, but there are shots that are not your typical pulling the truck, uh, pulling mm-hmm. the car behind a truck shot, where it's Fozzie Bear in the driver's seat. Yeah, and that's amazing, and they and the way they did that again, very old school, but they had you've got Frank Oz and Jim Henson like, and another puppeteer because Fozzie yeah. would take. Two people to, to puppeteer. He's
0: a big puppet, <laughs>
1: and they would be like underneath the front dash of the yeah, vehicle, in like, the
0: wheel wells.
1: <laughs> yeah, doing all the puppeteering, and then they would have a little person in the trunk that would uh, that could be in there with a video screen, and the uh, the mechanics to drive the car, and we'd be driving it by remote using a video camera mounted in the front of the Studebaker.
0: <laughs> and I just want to stress. No matter what time of year you are doing this in Southern California, if it's that sunny, it is hot. Yes. It is so incredibly hot. And car air conditioners in the 1970s were not what they are today. They were very sticky. It was very hot work. Like, I could not imagine doing something that physical in that small of a, like, constrained area area with like Fozzie bear who is a furry puppet like it's just making heat like you just have to have no personal boundaries whatsoever like yeah you just had no hint of claustrophobia or else you would derive yourself of bananas
1: i mean there's a reason that uh that jim henson was like six three and 190 pounds right because yeah exactly you just sweat all of that out having to do this puppeteering and Frank Oz was the same way they were they were all like tall lanky you know you didn't see a lot of fat puppeteers is what I'm saying no. because you, you can't you can't keep that weight on you're too busy sweating it all out um they
0: must have just been drenched at all times
1: but the the remote driving of the car was the one that really blew me away reading about it because I didn't think about like I would have thought they would have done like you know say somebody sitting in that front seat or like yeah. crouched down doing it from there but no they were in the trunk
0: yeah like <laughs>
1: And it, so, yeah. so that wheel, there's actually one shot where you see the wheel in Fozzie's hand and he kind of lifts it up and you see that there's <laughs> nothing attached. Um, so like that wheel just didn't do anything. And yeah. uh, I just, I was blown away by that. And I guess there was a take, at least one take where the video camera didn't work. And so they were, they were doing it by sound. They were telling the driver like a little bit to the left, hold that, you know, be oh careful. Like, so it just.
0: <laughs> That's terrifying. Yeah. That's terrifying. In a, in a 40s. 30s 40s Studebaker which has <laughs> no like uh safety precautions built into the car whatsoever those things were like a tin can <laughs> on wheels and a two-stroke engine
1: yeah I mean can you imagine like you definitely don't say anything about that until after you've are wrapped and then you yeah. let Frank and, and Jim and the puppeteers know like yeah we had one take where this happened you had what
0: you uh, had what now? The ins- like the producers and the insurance guy at the party are like, excuse me.
1: Ah, um, oh, but it was so good, and I loved I loved all the the gags. Like I liked having Gonzo uh, get stuck on the balloons, and now they got to chase him. And there's a mm-hmm. so there's a chase going on. They're chasing Gonzo, and then they're getting chased by Max and Doc, Doc Hopper, Hopper, yeah. Uh, who at one point pulls out a shotgun just out of nowhere. Yeah, and he's like, I'm going yeah. for the tires. <laughs>
0: There's a lot more gun violence in this <laughs> than I was really prepared for. Like, I, you know, especially, I guess it's, it's worthwhile to mention the fact that at this point, the Muppets were not specifically for children. And that didn't really happen until Disney bought them. Yes. And then they started to make Muppet um, properties that were exclusively meant for children. And so, like, early on Muppet stuff is so... Super like esoterically weird. You you know you're getting Richard Pryor showing up in things, which like no kid is gonna you know at the time probably would because he was super super famous. But still, and like so like the gun violence coming out, you would not expect that in modern Muppet stuff. And it's like here it is. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna and have him hunt down Kermit.
1: <laughs> like not only that, this movie's rated G, at the time. Yeah, um, which is not. For 1979 doesn't surprise me, but the the level of gunfire that's in it at all is yeah. phenomenal. Given that it's a G rated thing, now there was no PG thirteen at the time, so right. it wouldn't have and, and this would have gotten like a PG rating had it had there been yeah, exactly. um, the next kind of the next step up. But yeah, it's it's fair point to to mention that this was rated G. But you're right, the Muppets weren't like a kids only thing. They were if you watch the Muppet Show, there's a lot of jokes in there that sail over kids' heads. Um, Absolutely. Because like Sesame Street was the kids property. The Muppets was the Mm -hmm. adults property. It was a primetime show. Um, But they also wanted it to, you know, it, it should range for everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love properties that have, you know, jokes for the adults. That's Mm -hmm. like the best thing you can hope for, for things that are, that are geared towards kids. Like you should be able to watch movies multiple times throughout your life and get new jokes. And that's just like the sign of really, really good writing.
1: It is. It's a sign of, it's what makes things timeless because, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I always mentioned like Phineas and Ferb is one where, when that was popular, I yes. had uh, a stepson who loved that show and I loved watching it with him because he would get the jokes and I would get different jokes and we would get jokes together. And I'm like, I can see mm-hmm. this is well-written. This is by people that know what they're doing. But also I think that that's like creatives, like Henson wants stuff that's going to be family friendly. He talked about yeah. not wanting to have too much violence and things yet. He also would be part of like projects that would, either uh the dark crystal and like intentionally want to be a little bit scary for kids because mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing to scare yeah. kids like you shouldn't be afraid to do that don bluth believed yeah. that as well but also push the envelope of what you can get away with toe toe that line of like the types of of humor that you can go to without going into necessarily vulgarity like there's a pu- there's a place for meet the feebles um yeah t- puppetry um and that's fine. Uh, but but like the the thing that makes the Muppets last for the 40-something years that it has now, 50, 50 years, I think, right?
0: Yeah, it's going on 50 years. I mean, it started like Muppet branding. Like the first time he was really like in front of people was mostly SNL. Well, actually, he's had Kermit the Frog forever, like since yeah. like the early 60s. But um, like multiple characters and stuff like that, it started on SNL. So like in the, the mid-70s. Yeah. And
1: so, like 40, 50 plus years, it doesn't last unless it's like generational. Yeah. And, and, you know, puppets in general are going to kind of skew towards kids because certain adults will just look at that like they do animation. It's, oh, it's kid stuff. Well, yeah. It's exactly. not clearly. But yeah. It, I love that, that longevity and the generational jokes. Like to watch a movie like The Muppet Movie when I was a kid and know that. You know, and then when I see it later on and realize that yeah, there was stuff my parents were, were gonna get like, I wouldn't have known at uh, probably six or seven years old who Richard Pryor was. Like yeah, that no. wouldn't that that wouldn't make sense to me or Milton Berle or or any of these. But then as I get older and I learn more, it's like oh, that's brilliant to have Milton Berle as yeah. a used car salesman.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Have
1: the scene I mean- with Bob Hope and Fozzie Bear together trading like little zingers like that is just. Oh, it's, it's perfect.
0: Steve Martin has one like really, really innocent joke in his in his uh, spiel as the waiter, which like I wouldn't have gotten when I was a kid where he ordered – where Kermit's ordered like a sparkling wine and he's like, yeah, sparkling muscatel, the best of Idaho. And yes. it's like, <laughs> yeah –
1: <laughs> which was a great IMDB trivia where, uh, where somebody said uh, the, the wineries of Idaho did not find that joke funny. I'm like, really? Exactly. Do you think? <laughs> but it is funny. You
0: grow wine in Idaho. They do. But it's, yeah.
1: But it's definitely not champagne. It's sparkling. No, muscatel.
0: the best sparkling muscatel,
1: <laughs> which is now going to be, the label
0: w- even says the best of Idaho. To the
1: top. <laughs> That's going to be how I, uh, how I talk about wine from now on. It's just, everything's yeah. going to be a sparkling muscatel.
0: <laughs> the best of Idaho.
1: Because it, Steve Martin. I mean, Steve Martin is one of my favorites. And so yeah. he's this smarmy. I, I love how <laughs> I love when he drinks, drinks it. And just because <laughs> it's such a Steve Martin reaction, just these full body tremors and he spits it out. Yeah. Excellent choice.
0: Exactly. He makes him he it's a pry top like you get on a <laughs> beer and he goes, Do you want to sniff the cap? <laughs> like you do you want to sniff the cork? No, do you wanna sniff the bottle cap?
1: I laughed so hard at that. Like much more than I should. Um he do you want to sniff
0: the that he's mug? like almost 80. I want a Muppet movie with more Steve Martin. Can I get that again? Because it's the perfect pairing. Like after his his, he really showed off how dexterous he still is at the end of like only murders Murders in the building season one where he's like drugged and he's like falling all over the place and stuff like that and I'm like I can't do that now and I'm half your age my back doesn't bend like that No
1: I know I pull a I pull a muscle just watching that kind of stuff and
0: Seriously, it's just
1: amazing. No, Steve Martin is like the perfect foil for a Muppet, a Muppet for moment. A Muppet. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The, and and then on top of all of like this technical stuff that we get, you got music, and these songs are great. They're
0: stunning. They are. I mean, you. Do. Paul Williams has like such a long relationship with the Muppets, and. I mean, you cannot top the sheer timelessness of Rainbow Connection to open a movie. And, like, in addition to the technical aspects of Kermit sitting on that log that we were talking about and strumming a banjo, but, like, it's a stunningly beautiful song. And, you know, I probably thought it was, like, really, really cheesy until I hit my mid-30s, like, now. And I'm just kind of like, oh, no. It's so lovely. Like you don't want expect to be watching a Muppet movie and start tearing up at the opening song. And lo, I did.
1: Yeah, they they hit you right off the bat with uh, just a, a gut wrench. Uh, you know, just a beautiful song, and it sets up Kermit so perfectly.
0: Yeah, and he's then he's like the neutral Muppet. He's not an order Muppet, and he's not a chaos Muppet. He's both, mm-hmm. and he just is like. I I love that song.
1: Yeah, and 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 then like the song the the road trip song with him and Fozzie in the car is perfect. It's such a great, fun little jaunt and like it fits Fozzie so perfectly. Yeah. Um uh uh what was the one in the desert uh that Gonzo sings is like the kind of counterpoint to Rainbow Connection a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was reading on the IMDb trivia that apparently someone sung that at Jim Henson's funeral yeah. because it was, like, one of Jim Henson's favorite songs.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. And and it was nice to see Paul Williams in the movie, too, as the piece. Yeah,
0: he, he doesn't get enough credit for, like the history he has in, in, in composition for movies. Like my husband is a film composer and he's actually like the president of the like American society of composers. And, uh, it's called ASCAP. I always forget what it stands for, but it's like all the people, the, the people who handle like royalties and stuff like that. He's the president ever. He, he's never not been the president for as long as I've known my husband. Like Paul Williams is The guy. And you know, you kind of forget that that he has a long, long history, and not just for Muppet movies. Like he wrote movie music for like Barbra Streisand, and it's just like, that's Paul Williams. He's also gonna work with the Muppets.
1: Yeah, I guess it was uh Emmett Otter's jug band Christmas that got him uh involved in at all, and then Jim Henson brought him back for this. Um Mm -hmm. and one of the things I read, and this was uh this was such a great thing to to see was um that he said that Jim Henson didn't ever like he was a joy to work with and that he mm-hmm. never he never wanted to hear the work in progress. He just trusted that Paul Williams was gonna nail it and just be like, no, nope, we'll just do it when we record and I'll hear it. And you
0: hand over rainbow connection on yeah. a platter.
1: And then you, you hand him that. And it's like oh well shit.
0: Well, no. <laughs> exactly well everything else pales in comparison to paul williams let's pack it up frank yep. like <laughs> it's
1: time to go home um but yeah it's just oh, i love i love so many aspects of this movie and the humor the, the I, I cannot stress how much like muppet humor is important to me personally but mm-hmm. i think to humor in general there's something about the types of humor that um, that they wrote into this. You know, you got Jerry Jewell and Jack Burns writing it. Mm-hmm. But you know there's a lot of input from Frank Oz and Jim Henson and uh, Jerry Nelson, David Goals, like all of the mm-hmm. puppeteers because they embody these characters.
0: Yeah, they are them.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's what makes Muppets work. It's the reason that Alf has lasted as long as he has because Paul Fusco also did the same thing. He sort of took a page from Jim Henson where it's like he created this character and treat that character like he actually is there and yeah like, like
0: it's a real person
1: and and the muppets that's what works with them when you see them you don't see you don't think about there's a person puppeteering kermit you just see kermit yeah and yeah it's
0: magic it's pure magic like i will spoil the line from orson wells for you now just in case you guys have not seen the movie or don't remember the movie this is the fun one of the funniest lines in a movie i have ever heard in my life and Kermit walks into this this big movie head Honcho's office, played by Orson Welles, who you're not expecting. He's got all the Muppets behind him, flanking. They are all coming to Hollywood because they all want to be entertainers, and Kermit says to you know Orson Welles, like, I saw your ad, you know, for frog auditions. I'm here, and Orson Welles clicks the little thing to his his secretary and says prepare the standard rich and famous contract. (laughs) And it's just like, ah, it's great. It's It's, such a good line.
1: It's, it's a brilliantly written line. It's perfect. Again, Muppet humor. Yes. And then to have that Muppet humor and to have it delivered stone faced by Orson Mm Wells, who when they come into the room, his chair is turned. So all you're seeing is the back of the chair behind the opulent desk in this huge office
0: oscars against the wall like ah it's just dripping in and, scenery
1: and then he turns around and it's orson wells and then his only line in the movie is prepare the standard rich and famous contract oh ah, yes so With, so like, amazing
0: the gravitas of citizen kane yes. like he's he's like that's the best part about the muppets is that ohm. Dave Fozzie, almost every single joke is delivered with, like, sincerity. Like, mm-hmm. Fozzie's always yucking. Fozzie's always waka waka. But, like, almost every other joke is delivered with complete deadpan sincerity. And it yes. is fantastic.
1: Which I think, actually, is why Fozzie works so well with the Muppets. Yeah. Right? Because he is the foil to that. He is the the other side of that coin, and he can get away with that. Um But yeah, like that—that is what makes it work—is to have because if you've seen, if you've ever seen the video of Orson Welles when he was doing like the outtakes of Orson Welles from the wine commercial, like you know that Uh guy had a sense of humor and he could he could play around and have fun. Um, But you get him, you have him deliver that line that way. You have you know Richard Pryor doesn't have to go crazy, Richard Pryor. He's just like you want to buy all the balloons, you do, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's like perfect. Like I just love stuff like that. So yes.
0: One of the best jokes in the entire thing is Miss Piggy has, uh, you know, she's with Kermit. She is, and then she gets a phone call from her agent. And she's just like, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, how much tomorrow? She just hangs up and walks, and she's just like, bye, frog, and then, like, walks (laughs) right out.
1: (laughs) Which is such a perfect Miss Piggy moment. It, It, like... These are these are performers that just know these characters so well,
0: and there's so many Hollywood jokes in this. So it's like the standard rich and famous contract. How much is the commercial? Like, there's so many, like, snide undercuts at Hollywood. Oh, yeah. And it's just, like, so beautiful that you know that they're like, yes, we'll take your money, but then we will make fun of your industry to your face because we're a bunch of dudes playing with puppets. And how can you get mad at me?
1: Exactly. And you're going to like it. You're going to like every yeah, moment of it.
0: and it's going to make you so much money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it did. This was the highest-grossing movie of 1979.
0: That is bananas. What else came out in 1979? That like because that's still like the height of movie making. Like Chinatown came out like two years prior to that. Like this is Let's, like major movie time.
1: I'm gonna find out because uh, I am very curious to know. But it made 65 million dollars. Um, that's
0: bananas money.
1: And that was the U.S. in Canada. Like it didn't. It's not like it had like a huge worldwide.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: From what I find anyway, um but uh yeah, let's we'll we'll, we'll look that up. And while I do, um it th- that again is a testament though to the popularity of the Muppets at the time. Like they were the biggest show on television in the late 70s.
0: That, you know, it doesn't blow my mind, but it really makes okay, me so, frustrated. Okay, go for so it.
1: I read that it was the highest grossing movie. It's not. It's okay. uh it's a little ways down because Superman came out in seventy oh, uh, well, yeah. nine and made one hundred and thirty four million. There you go. Uh, but it's still, I mean, it's still top ten movie uh, easily. Yeah. For uh, for a time, and and again, it's a movie starring a bunch of Muppets and cameos.
0: Yeah. Because There's even
1: no... if you if you look at the like stars,
0: Kermit m- the Frog. Like...
1: Yeah. You you look at the modern Muppet movies, they always have a star or a human exactly. character incorporated in with that, and this movie doesn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that, the, that's what really frustrates me about the Muppets more than anything is that like you had the, the Jason Segel Muppets like earlier in the two thousands and that did really, really well. And everybody was like, sweet, we're prepared for the Muppet Renaissance. And then it just went and they haven't done anything anything with them like i know that there's another muppet show or like muppets tonight that airs on disney plus and they had that and like even i don't really try to watch it like they it's frustrating that disney really does like the muppets to be for children Mm -hmm. because it just kind of squashes the magic of the muppets
1: It, it does it's unfortunate um you know you can like when I watch something like Muppet Christmas Carol or Muppet Treasure Island, they're definitely aimed at kids. Yeah, but it still has that soul of the Muppets. It still has yeah. some of that, uh, and and that was what I felt like was missing from more the, the couple of more modern things that I've seen. Is it's just there's like there's something missing, and I can't quite tell what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy in the chat says Earth to Ned is an excellent Henson Workshop show. So okay. that might be something worth checking out. Earth to Ned,
0: literally writing that down.
1: Um, but yeah, there's there's like there's some sort of special mixture, some sort of special sauce that the Muppets had. That yeah, that just it's hard to replicate. And whether it's Henson and Oz or Goals or any of those other performers, it's hard I to wonder... say.
0: But yeah, it, I wonder how much of it is actually also rooted in the songs, because I know that the more recent Jason Segel Muppet movie had Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concords writing all the songs, and the songs are just—they're just dynamite. They're just amazing, and I don't recall if he came back for like the the. Other more recent Muppet movie, I don't feel like he did, and it. oh Muppet most wanted was the. That's the one I'm trying to think of. Like I don't think he did, or even if there were that many musical numbers, and I feel like Muppets need to have razzmatazz. They need to have a moment where the big band comes in, and I mean like. I can still sing the Cabin Fever song from Muppet Treasure Island, like, start to finish. Oh, yeah. It's a great song.
1: Well, I think, so he did, he was a music department for the Muppets and the Muppets Most Wanted. Okay. Um, But I think you've got something there because music is such an important part of Muppets uh, and in general. Yeah. Um, you know we talked about it on uh those were the days recently when we were talking the muppet show and the musical numbers that they did mm-hmm. not only the original one uh that was part of it which was like this bass it was Floyd and Zoot doing like a bass yeah. and uh saxophone jazz thing mm-hmm. but then they had it was an ep- it was the episode with Harry Belafonte so he had the oh. banana boat song and he had this right, world right. music song that he did and like the exposure they they would bring to certain types of music um and a lot I know jazz being a big one, a lot Mm -hmm. of jazz in uh, like Sesame Street and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Which is awesome because it's not the type of music that that gets enough uh, spotlight, especially in programming like that.
0: Yeah. Sesame Street had so many like weird bebop numbers and stuff mm-hmm. like that too. So it wasn't even just like weather report jazz. It was like the hard stuff. And oh, yeah, it's, like that even as a jazz fan, like there's sometimes where you're just like, is that a saxophone or is it two cats tied together? <laughs> and they just like went for it. They just didn't even stop. Like someone shared a, a clip from Sesame Street on Twitter the other day and I'll have to see if I can find it, but it was like straight up bebop jazz. And I'm like, this is difficult for little kids who are so used to melody and basic harmony and three note harmony, all in major chords, then to Chuck bebop at them. Like it's intense. And there's no way you can play the beginning of the Muppet show theme song for someone and not have them instantly recognize it. And then immediately break out in a giant smile. Like mm-hmm. that's how intrinsic music is to the Muppets. And if you're going to try to do a not musical Muppet movie, don't don't even bother
1: right and you've got like the whole the whole bit of uh dr teeth and the electric mayhem like this amazing band an animal behind the drums and you've got um i mean just all of that just just all of the musical stuff and whether and it doesn't have to be like a uh a song like rainbow connection necessarily like that's a great song but it doesn't need to be that can just be them just making up some weird weird shit who knows
0: yeah I know, man. It's just, uh, I can sing so many Muppet songs off the top of my head. Now they're all just like rapid fire going through (laughs) my brain, which is not great. But like, I'm just trying to think of like, even from like the Muppet family Christmas, where you have like amazing songs where you Mm -hmm. just like got the pass it on song, which I still make the goofy little noises from when I like hand my husband something like in the car, be like, pass it on. And it's like, of course, if you've seen that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Absolutely. It's ridiculous, but you memorize it, and, oh, man, it just, you have to have that.
1: You do. You you really, really do, uh, and it kind of ties everything together, and it gives, yeah. it, it's the connective tissue between the bits that they did. And, you know, I like, too, that this was a movie, because a lot of times early movies um, tend to feel, uh, early movies of this type tend to feel like, a collection of sketches that are loosely yeah. tied together, and mm-hmm. this had a much better, I feel like, through line.
0: Absolutely, like it's Absolutely. definitely
1: that. But with Muppets, yeah. it works. It, you you can go a little more. You can give a little more leeway to it, and but it yeah. still worked.
0: Yeah, like one of the things I'm thinking of is like in the beginning of Muppets Most Wanted where they're all in separate places and they have to kind of like get the band back together. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely one that felt like almost sketch-like except until you get to Reno and uh, they run across like – like Fuzzy Bear or something like that. It was pretending to be Fuzzy Bear. And for some reason, Dave Grohl is in the backup <laughs> band. And that's still <laughs> one of my favorite gags because Dave Grohl is just such a, fin- he's such a dad now. Oh, yeah. And it's like hard to really reconcile that with like the fact that he's one of the greatest rock artists of all time. And then he's just like, I'm going to do a Muppet movie because I've got little girls. And of course, you know, the uh, like that was one that I really, really felt like they hadn't gotten the, the, they hadn't tightened the, the string that held everything together in the beginning of that movie. And it just felt kind of like sloppy and not like one of the magical things about this Muppet movie is that the characters are fully fleshed out of who they are. Mm-hmm. Like Fozzie is the guy who is going to take abuse to be up on stage no matter what. That is what Fozzie does and like you know you have Rolf the dog who I think could have shown a little bit more in this but maybe he wasn't like uh he, maybe he was a newer character and you've got Kermit you've got Miss Piggy who loves Kermit with all of her heart but if Hollywood comes a knock and she's gonna drop him like a hot rock yep. you know and Gonzo <laughs> is so perfect in this Gonzo you know one of the thing, one of the movies that a lot of people blame for like maybe people turning off the Muppets was Muppets from Space and you know it's a good it's a good movie but the thing about Gonzo is that you're not supposed to confirm that he's an alien he's just right. supposed to be weird and so like this just gets him as like the weirdo so perfectly and it's just you have sweetums in like the, the used car scenes and he's like scaring the bejesus out of everybody but his name is sweetums and he doesn't want to scare everybody and it's just like such a wonderful characterization of every and perfect succinct characterization of every single Muppet in this movie and it's just like wow And you guys have not been doing this for that long you just know who everybody is
1: yep yep uh Sweetums in this is one of my favorite things ever just because Mm -hmm. like it's it's a great introduction and then all he wants is just to catch back up with them
0: I know I know the My first introduction to Sweetums was there's a Muppet movie that I think might have been direct-to-video called uh, The Frog Prince,
1: Mm -hmm. and it's
0: with Robin, and Sweetums is the bad guy, and at some point he tries to crush Robin, like with his big club, and that scared the ever- living daylights out of me when I was a child to the point that I don't think I ever watched the movie again. Like it oh, was wow. always like in my VHS collection as a kid, but I like never put it in the, like the VCR to play it ever again. Cause that's how scary Sweetums was to me. Cause he was going up to Robin and I'm like, in this, I'm just like, oh no, he's a big teddy bear with snaggle teeth and he's just so cute.
1: <laughs> and that's, that's the thing about him. That's so great. is like the voice doesn't fit the face and the face is so Creepy, and then what he's saying is like a, a third layer to that, and yeah. so I just love all of that. This also, like, is there a better introduction to Gonzo than to have him driving a plumbing truck?
0: No, of not all, at all things,
1: and he's the prince of pipes.
0: Uh huh.
1: Like, it was <laughs> and so got perfect.
0: Camilla, and, yep. you know.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, just loved. I loved that so much. I did capture a couple couple clips um from the movie. It's it's weird the way it's mixed. Isolating individual audio clips is kind of tricky. Um, Yeah. Plus, there's a lot of moments that are like music-related that are really funny that just don't work out of context. But I did get a few things. I got to play them because they're they're really funny. A lot of them are very Muppet jokes. Um, Like, uh, we got a little Fozzie Bear here. Um, This is him in the Studebaker. A bear in his natural habitat. A Studebaker. Also... Yet again, one of those little touches that makes the Muppets work so well and, and tells you how much they know about these characters is when they first walk into the church. So mm-hmm. you've, got the, you've got the great line of they don't look like Presbyterians, but as Kermit walks in and Fozzie's right behind him, Fozzie takes his hat off yeah. to walk into the church and walks in a little ways and then puts it back on when he sees other people yeah. wearing a hat in there. like that And that's 100% Fozzie Bear. And it's mm-hmm. such a great moment. And it's one of those things where you don't have to do that. It doesn't yeah. have to be in there. But that little thing is like I notice it now and it just, just tickles me. It just, it just warms my heart.
0: Ah, oh, He's so lovely.
1: Um, this is a very, very strong pun from Kermit. I mean, if frogs couldn't hop, I'd be gone with the Schwinn. <laughs> And he delivers it, like, spiking the camera when he does it. And I was yes. just like, oh, Kermit, 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 Kermit. Um, let's see. This one's titled Brains. It turns the brains into guacamole. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's what it was. Uh, I,
0: I love that um, Mel Brooks can't be out camped, even <laughs> when he's in a scene with puppets. Nope. He's like, no, 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 no. You're not going to outdo me here. <laughs> and with like the, with the little brain hat, and he calls it the little yamaka, and I'm just like, "Oh, Mel Brooks, you can't, you can't let the puppets have this scene. You have to steal it."
1: So good. Oh, uh, uh, Frogs. Worldwide Studios announces open auditions for Frogs wishing to become rich and famous. Again, that's a that's like straight out of the Muppet handbook. Is just, here's the most, what's the most ridiculous thing we could put in Variety Magazine? Um, Frogs looking to get rich and famous. Done. There's the joke. Move on.
0: And it's like a quarter page ad. It's huge. (laughs) It's so
1: big. It's so amazing. Let's see. Harry. (laughs)
0: Crazy Harry plays with electricity. (laughs) It's
1: crazy Harry. I had to get him
0: so great the fact that they really do actually call all the ancillary Muppets like by their names mm-hmm. in like the roll call in the beginning you have them address Lou Zealand you have them address Harry you have yep. them address Statler and Waldorf who weren't big Muppets by this point like it's so
1: great oh I know Sam the Eagle um, oh. who's a favorite of mine I love Sam uh, me too you got some more Fozzie Bear Gee, a Studebaker where'd you get it all my uncle left it to me Huh? Is he dead? No,
0: he's hibernating.
1: <laughs> and then later on, it's mentioned again that, like, when, yeah. they, when they go to trade the car in. Um, yeah. Oh, I running gag. Grief, it's a running gag. I just love acknowledging that.
0: Yeah, like, like we weren't going to get that it was a running gag. Thank you so much <laughs> for telling me that it's a running gag.
1: And uh, when we meet Gonzo for the first time.
0: Why are you hopping up and down? Uh, because I'm hopping mad guy's got a sense of humor
1: (laughs) so good and i
0: I love that gonzo tells him that he's gonna go to bombay india to make it (laughs) in show business which like of course like as an adult you're like yeah no that makes sense because you know bollywood is huge and they make a bajillion movies a year but like it doesn't make any sense in 1979 to american movie audiences well and
1: that was the thing is like they wrote that joke. Jim Henson didn't realize that at the time, until after the movie was done, that Bollywood put out so many more movies. He just yeah. wanted Gonzo to be going to the, like the most remote place he could think of yeah. that would be as far away from Hollywood as possible. So it would be the other side of the world. And it turns out, except eh, actually, they make <laughs> and, tons of movies. And I agree with Amy. Bollywood Gonzo would be outstanding.
0: Oh my God! Could you imagine a dance number? Because
1: <sighs> it would be him and a bunch of chickens. First of all,
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, now I need
1: that. Yeah, I gotta have that. Uh, uh, and I got one more, and it's more Gonzo. Uh, and it's, it's again, it's a perfect Muppet joke. It's that vaudevillian humor.
0: Gonzo, what, what are you doing? About seven knots!
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so, oh, I, I cackled when I heard that. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's that great, great humor. It's so funny. It's so perfectly done. You know, you're
0: right that it is perfect vaudeville humor. And like, you know, do tons of people know George Burns and Gracie Allen? Like, if you made like, say, good night, Gracie, good night, Gracie joke. Like, would Mm -hmm. people know it? Man, my sister did a whole, okay, I'm backtracking a little bit. Did you know what Odyssey of the Mind is? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So my sister did an Odyssey of the Mind like sketch one year when she was like in the fourth or fifth grade. And it was, it was seen, it was like the construct of it was a vaudeville show. And so like, I have been watching like vaudeville stuff since I was probably about six or seven years old. And it has so irreparably formed my sense of humor (laughs) that I think that maybe is why I just love the Muppets so much. And maybe... They have veered a little bit too much away from the sticky, like pulling someone off with a cane, chucking a pie in someone's face. Like yeah. that is universally always funny. It is always funny to have someone bomb on stage. And now I feel like that might be too mean for people to, to for Fozzie Bear just to crash and burn and, and get out of it by screaming drinks are on the house and everybody <laughs> goes up to the roof.
1: Which is another one that I didn't capture that audio, but oh, that was such a good joke. Where everybody like, runs up to the top and then, yeah, and everybody's like, "There's no drinks up here. <laughs> drinks are on the house." Oh, I just—it's so—it's it, it. There's so much joy in Muppet stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: because they ne- that's the other part of it is you can have this brand of humor that is funny from any, anybody from six years old to sixty-five years old and, and older and it works across all those levels and they never punch down. And I think that's the yeah. biggest thing. Is Muppets never punch down so the humor is never mean-spirited. You can make yeah. fun of someone without being mean-spirited. And the Muppets are great yeah. at doing that. They're great at poking poking fun at themselves and and jokes at someone's expense without it being from a place of like negativity.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, I'm just thinking of so many of my favorite jokes from all of my favorite Muppet movies where you have um, the... the Like, in Muppet Treasure Island, when the native pigs come dancing out, and then they're, like, they're doing their chant, they're doing their chant, they're doing the chant, and then someone fires a gun, and they go, like, boom-boom sticks, and then they just scatter. (laughs) And it's so funny. It's hilarious. They have this huge, like, intro number, and then they're just like, wait, we're out of here. Or, like... Gonzo in the uh, annual Penguins Christmas skating party in uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, where he's like, come on, Rizzo. And it's just like this hilarious gag. And or Rizzo like getting like the tail, not the rat. Like it is such a great joke and no one gets hurt.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's again, like you mentioned, Fozzie can be up on stage just bombing and doesn't matter because it's not uh, he doesn't care. He's just going to keep doing his thing. But also, like, again, it's there's nothing there's never harm being done to anyone.
0: Yeah. If anything, it just makes his friends love him more whenever they watch him bomb on stage because they're just kind of like everyone else is going to, like, make fun of Fozzie. But he's just going to keep doing it because he loves it so much. And it's so intrinsic to who Fozzie is. And they're just kind of like, come on, buddy. Let's go, you know, like, great show, Fozzie. Like, you didn't get lit on fire this time. Like, right. great show. Good for you for getting up there. You you broke a leg. Fantastic. It, it, yeah.
1: And and there's one last thing I did want to mention on the making of the movie, and that was that James Frawley was the director of this, who mm-hmm. isn't a director you're probably going to recognize the name of because no. everything he did outside of this was television. Oh. It was television shows, television movies. And like this, and I think maybe one other theatrically released movie, that's it. But a
0: resume. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And he's, I mean, he worked for a long time, um, but, you know, it's all television, but he did not have a good time making this movie. Um, And he, he had, uh, he apparently clashed with the puppeteers and, and all of that. And it just wasn't a good mix, which is amazing because you wouldn't think that watching this.
0: No, at all. no, it is really lovely and very joyful.
1: And I think what it came down to was he just didn't have experience with with puppets and puppeteering right. and that kind of thing. And so since then, they've gone with directors that just have more experience there because mm-hmm. there's a lot of things. I mean, you got to build all your sets, you know, six feet off the ground. So you got room for the puppeteers to move around and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I just found that really interesting that he did not have a good time making the movie because um, oh. it doesn't show in the final product. The final yeah. product is joyful.
0: And it sounds like such a dream job. Like, it like, really like you were saying the cinematographer was just kind of like, stick the puppet on the pole. get look you get your light readings. You're good. Yeah. But, like, you know, and then like, have some guy come in and just like, okay, now I'm Kermit. But, like, yeah, no, that really sounds like what a shame for him that he didn't like making it because I think it's many people's dream jobs to direct a Muppet movie or be involved in a Muppet movie Absolutely. in any capacity.
1: Well this this was super fun. I love this movie. And I'm really glad you finally got to see it. So now you have you can you can check that off your list, but also yeah. it's on Disney Plus. You can watch it anytime, too.
0: I know. And, you know, I was so excited cuz you know, I don't have a ton of streaming platforms. So I was like, what haven't I seen on Disney? Like, I've seen everything on Disney. Wait a second. The Muppet movie. And I thank you so much for getting me uh, giving me a reason to watch it cuz you, you feel weird sometimes being like a grown adult putting on a Muppet movie, but don't. It's wonderful. It's joyful. If things are feeling bleak. Watch Absolutely. the Muppets.
1: Oh, totally. There there are a few things in life that immediately elicit joy and you cannot be in a bad mood after experiencing the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Weird Al Yankovic is another Absolutely. one of those. Like You can't listen to Weird Al and be in a bad mood. It, it's just no. scientifically impossible. And the Muppets are the other one. Like, you can't watch the Muppets and stay in a bad mood. It's going to pull yeah. you out of that. Uh, and on what,
0: top of that, they're giving us a human Muppet, Dan Radcliffe, playing Weird Al in the, in the not-too-distant yeah. future. I mean, come on.
1: I know. Uh, I, I do want to end with one of my favorite Muppet jokes of all time. Um, and it is, uh, what do you get when you cross an elephant and a rhinoceros? I don't know what. Elephino. <laughs> That is forever one of my favorite jokes. Period, but definitely in a top three Muppet jokes I have ever heard in my life. It's so good.
0: That is so good.
1: Uh, Well, Emily, let people know you've got a show. Uh, Actually, we just we just talked recently, um, recorded for that. So, what is that show? Where can people find it?
0: Can I curse? Go for it. Okay, so my show is called Fuckboys of Literature, and we discuss kind of really lousy people in literature, as you might surmise from the title. But uh, this month, I'm I'm a little overscheduled, so we are doing movies based on books, and in a couple weeks, Travis is going to be on FBOL discussing an absolutely bananas pun intended movie (laughs) Congo by Michael Crichton. We do short episodes for free on, uh, iTunes and most streaming platforms. But if you want the full length episode, and I know you do, you can become a patron for as little as a buck. And, uh, you will hear some really dynamite episodes on movie books, books, movies coming up in the month of July.
1: And it's a super fun show. It's the second time I've been on. We talked about, uh, who censored Roger rabbit, uh, before, which, which was a was bonkers great. book in its own right yeah and should not have been as good of a book as it was but it, was it really, really is um so definitely check out that show uh and and thank you for having me on there and thank you for being on here uh tonight I, was a ton of I have
0: not seen so many movies so i'm always game and thank you so much for having me back it was absolutely wonderful
1: it was also nice to be able to schedule it with you back on the east coast
0: yeah, <laughs> made a little easier
1: for both. Yeah, of us. So <laughs> definitely great. Well, thank you again so much for being on. I had a great time. Um, and uh, coming up next week, I've got uh, Adam and Melanie um, from uh, a podcast very similar to this, where I believe it's Adam gets Melanie to watch a new movie every week so they're coming on. We haven't figured out what we're watching yet, so stay tuned to Twitter for that. I'm TV's Travis on Twitter. Uh, you can find out what movie I'm watching next week, and we're inching ever closer to August, which, if you're a fan of this show, you know is Cageapalooza, and it's all Nick Cage all month. It'll be our fourth year of watching nothing but Nicolas Cage movies for the month of August, and I've got some fun ones, so I can't wait for that. So that's what's coming up on this show, uh, and you can find... This show, wherever you get podcasts, or tvstravis.com um, is the easiest way because I titled it with punctuation and, and commas. And it was just it was, it was not good SEO on my part. Um, so tvstravis.com or just search for Wait You Haven't Seen. Uh, maybe it'll show up. Uh, and if you want to support the show, you can do that at Ko-fi, uh, ko-fi.com slash tvstravis. Uh, and you can buy me a cup of coffee there. So, Emily, thank you so much. Uh, this was a ton of fun.
0: Uh, couldn't imagine a better Sunday night thank you so much
1: and just remember to uh, as we like to say every week enjoy your movies and look the world's crazy so let's be excellent to each other